All right. Welcome back, folks, to another episode of Maybe Next Time. I am your host, William Blue, with my co-host, Simon McCormack. Happy New Year, Nets Nation. <laughs> Almost. Almost. <laughs> Depending on when you're listening. Um, well, yeah, I mean, most of the people listen within 24 hours or so. so. Feliz, uh, what's New Year in Spanish? And Nuevo Año. Nuevo Año. Año Nuevo, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, Feliz, that. <laughs> um, we are here, as we are each and every week, to bring you Nets Nation discussion. Yeah. Um, we have a hell of a lot to get to this week. Simon and I have been deprived of one another's company for some time now. Three days? Uh, three or four days, um, since the last Nets game, probably. Yeah. Which was the double overtime epic against the Charlotte Hornets. Um, Thursday? I was pretty much, I think it was Wednesday. Okay. Uh, I was pretty much tapped out by the time the regular regulation time was over. Mm-hmm. Uh, one overtime was a lot. By two, I was I was at my wits' end, just pleading for an end, however it might be. Um, but that game, Simon, uh-huh. that game, some a trend which has been plaguing Nets Nation for some time was perhaps most on view. And that is D'Angelo Russell being shut out almost entirely of actually entirely (laughs) of the late game rotation. Mm -hmm. So many people, many savvy commentators on the NBA don't look as much at who starts a game and instead tend to focus on who finishes a game Mm. as indicative of who the team's core pieces are. If that is a true metric, and I'm not saying it is, uh, if that is a metric, then D'Angelo would appear to not be one of the core pieces of this team. In not every game, certainly, finishes some. But I would say, and I do not have the numbers in front of me, that it, that Spencer Dinwiddie has finished out more games for the Nets than D'Angelo Russell. I think that's, I think that's fair to say. So this episode, uh, uh, in addition to all the the wondrous uh, ins and outs of, of the nets that we will get to, uh, I think the thing we need to focus on at the beginning, sink our teeth into, uh-huh. is the D'Angelo question. Yeah. Okay? Okay. Uh, we we want to figure out what's going on with D'Lo. Uh, I obviously have some very strong feelings that I am trying to temper here, (laughs) Uh, unsuccessfully, probably. And I know that one thing that you wanted to discuss was a Nets Daily article about lineups Mm -hmm. and which ones work uh, and how they'll work with Karis LeVert. I I, want to cede the mic to you on this. Okay crucial issue yeah. of what lineups are working and what lineups aren't, I will hand over the mic with a final note saying uh, a cursory glance would indicate that 
the better lineups in this uh, in better five man lineups that have been rolled out this season um, seem predominantly to include D'Angelo Russell and to not include Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, but Simon, why don't you break that one down for us? Yes, sure. So, <laughs> um, under so this is a story on Nets Daily. Uh, you know, you should look it up for yourselves. I won't uh, go into to all of the details of it, but under the tag, uh, under the headline, uh, lineups that we've seen a lot of and have worked well, and we'll probably see more of. Um, there are a couple of lineups. One is the starters, uh, D'Angelo Russell, Joe Harris, Rodion's Kuruks, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, uh, and Jared Allen. And they are a 18.6 positive net rating, 125.7 offensive rating, 107.1 defensive rating, 64.1% true shooting percentage. Folks, that is a hot a hot offense. That is lineup. a white hot offense yes. right there. Then another interesting, like the super defense uh, lineup of D'Angelo, Kurutz, uh, Damari Carroll, Jared Dudley, and Ed Davis. So like those, basically everyone but D'Angelo are like pretty solid, about as solid as the Nets get defensively. They hold teams to a 78.6 defensive rating and a 109.8 offensive rating uh, for the Nets. Uh, with a 31.2 net positive rating, which is huge. Um, so, and then the last thing I'll say about this is, uh, or at least just, you know, reading these things, is the lineups that haven't quite worked. Here's a trend for you. D'Angelo Russell and Spencer Dinwiddie play together. That lineup, as we've talked about on this very show, just has not worked. Uh, it's a net a minus 12.4 net rating with those two, Joe Harris, Rondé, and Jared Allen. Um, and another one, which is D'Angelo Russell Spencer and Karis Levert, Jared Dudley, and Jared Allen, is also a minus 20.5 net rating. So those two can't play together. The two lineups that work the best feature D'Angelo Russell and do not feature Spencer Dinwiddie. Simon, <coughs> What is your what do you think the best Nets lineup is? Oh my god, I don't know. None of them. Uh no, I <laughs> I <laughs> uh no, I I think to me a, an exciting lineup that we, is one that we actually really haven't seen. Um cuz Karras has been out right. and Kurutz has emerged as a player that hopefully will be sticking in the rotation even if he uh, at some point is not in the starting lineup. I would say it is D'Angelo, Karis LeVert at the two, uh, and uh, Kurutz either at the three or the four. I, I don't know. And then slot somebody in there that isn't, you know, Joe Harris or, or you know, I guess you could put Crab. I don't care. And then Jared Allen. Yeah. My favorite lineup probably is D'Lo 1, Karras 2, Joe Harris 3, Roddy 4, and then I think it's a coin toss, Jared Allen or Ed Davis at 5. Yeah. Uh, and I think both will be both will be strong lineups. Yeah. Um, note that n- neither of us have Spencer Dinwiddie in that, which is an in- increasingly unpopular opinion. Not only... <laughs> Um, with fans who seem to have uh, an 
ever renewable <laughs> love of Spencer's ability to drive the basketball, um, which seems to be his primary appeal that he can drive. He's a downhill player. Yeah. Um, but that seems to be uh, reinforced by the obvious preference for him um, from Kenny Atkinson. Or what appears to be a preference for him from Kenny Atkinson. Granted, they went on to play Charlotte uh, days later, and that was a pretty lackluster game for old Spencer. Yes. Uh, He was one for seven with three points. Um, But that's an outlier. D'Angelo's had some bad games as well. Um, I guess the D'Angelo question for me Uh is... By not playing him in the fourth quarter, it's hard to watch him sit on the sideline in the fourth quarter from the perspective, from thinking about it from his perspective. Mm-hmm. It, it, from it, D'Angelo's. From D'Angelo's. Yeah. So it must be inc- incredibly agonizing when you've been told that you're the leader of this team, that you're the future of this team, you're the star of this team, to then routinely be kept on the bench in the fourth quarter. So... That would, to me, seem to suggest that it's engendering some bitterness on his on on his behalf, justifiably so. So, the only reason they would probably be willing to do that would be if they have made some sort of decision. Hmm. And I feel like the two decision, two potential decisions they could have made is one, we're we are not going to offer him a huge amount of money. Uh, and therefore, let's shop him around and trade him now. Or two, we are confident that there's no market for D'Angelo at the end of the season and that we're going to be able to re-sign him at a discount. So we don't really care. Uh-huh. Uh, what do you think about those two? Do you think there's a third option? And what should we do in this situation? I think a third a third possibility, and I think those two are, are perfectly plausible, and I don't know that this third one is more plausible. But a third possible thing is that Kenny just doesn't really trust D'Angelo in the, in the final minutes of some games. You know, I, I think... Uh, I think we have seen some some boneheaded moves from him, as with other players, but I think maybe it's sort of gotten under Kenny's skin a bit more. Um, He was quoted... uh, um, Brian Fonseca had this tweet where he had a a whole, like, three or four sentence long quote uh, from Kenny Atkinson on why he had benched D'Angelo in the the Hornets game. He said, it wasn't too illuminating, but he said, you know, oftentimes it's just a feel, it's really a feel, and then he said, sometimes it's about matchups and who we want to, to how we want to play defensively, and then he said something like, you know, he's 22, and sometimes as a young guy, it doesn't hurt to, you know, actually watch it, and then he said, you know, his spirit's really good, and he was he's great on the bench and great in the locker room, and, you know, he, as good as he is, he understands. Um... So, so no, that those was are positive. His... Those are positive things to hear. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think the main concern with me and D'Angelo, other than his feelings, which I apparently am deeply concerned about, um, is that we are going to lose D'Angelo and for nothing. Mm-hmm. So we will have traded Brooke. Mm-hmm. We will have traded a pick that 
manifested as Kyle Kuzma, mm-hmm. the second best scorer on the Los Angeles Lakers. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will have, for that, gotten a guard who was a two-year experiment who didn't fit and who in free agency went on to another team, and we chose over D'Angelo the uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, essentially. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a real fear, and and don't forget we also had to deal with the Mozgov contract one way or another, right? And uh, Timofey Mozgov, which by some miracle we have been able to get off, right? But we had to right, but that's an opportunity cost in that that money could have been put to some other use. Um, yeah, so so I yeah, it's super. It's, I'm super fearful of that. I know that I had you know when the season started said you know we should just ride with D'Angelo for the whole year even if that means you know giving him up just because we'll be able to ascertain who he is mm-hmm. uh, and we need to have every opportunity to do that I have shifted I do think that if we are going to trade him uh, and I'm fine not trading him I, I'd be happy with him getting you know like a 15 million dollar contract as I've said nervous about giving him too much more um, but if we don't think that that's realistic and they would have a better idea, the Nets would have a better idea of what's realistic and what's not than I would. Yeah, getting something for him at the deadline, you know, I think is reasonable. I don't know how much we're going to glean in, you know, March and April that we don't know. Right. Uh, well, he – what was the most recent game that he was rested? Yeah, that was the against, Bucks. Yes, the, against the Bucks. Yeah. So yesterday he was rested, Simon, and there was a captivating tweeter out there <laughs> uh, with an eerily similar handle to your very own, <laughs> who put forth a conspiracy theory mm-hmm. that I think, in spite of being grounded on nothing but um, feeling, yeah, should be. Aired here. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Bill. Yeah, I this appreciate is a safe you. space for that. Thank you. Um, I I I suspected that maybe those two players. Uh, so who who explain oh, who was here? Ed Davis and D'Angelo Russell were put out. Uh, were were held out for quote unquote rest, um, which on a back to back with less than twenty four hours between the two games. You, you might think is normal, except that the Nets now have three days of rest um, today, tomorrow, and the day after um, when they don't uh, have any game or anything else going on. So you would think that they could, at a 22-year-old and a 29-year-old, could rest then. But um, And we're also not, you know, it's not like the 70th game of the season or something. Right. Um, anyway. Also unprecedented in that no other player has has been rested. Right. There have been injuries, which yes. possibly, but there has not been a rest. <laughs> Spencer has not been rested any game. Right. Uh, Jared Allen has not been rested any game. Uh, so it definitely raises some red flags. Yes. So your thinking is it could foretell yes. some sort of movement for maybe, those two. Maybe there's a trade uh, possibility in the next in the next few days. That's that's just uh, that's just a wild conspiracy. Or maybe one or both of them have an injury that we'll learn about later. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Which could hold down D'Angelo's trade value somewhat. Yeah, uh, sure. Or, I'm sorry, a, not trade value. Uh, you know, yeah, signing. How much he would sign for value. Value, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I I love Ed Davis. He yeah, is rising the ranks for me of favorite Nets. Uh, if they do a bobblehead, I think he'd be a great bobblehead. <laughs> he has really good hair. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway, <laughs> Claire mentioned that she's she's. Uh, we don't necessarily need more bobbleheads. Okay. In our, in our home, I'm looking at some of them. Yeah. Yeah, there are several. There are a lot, including <laughs> Alan Crabb, which mysteriously, honestly, moves around all the time, and <laughs> Claire claims not to touch it. Okay. So. This seems like a you and Claire issue that needs to be worked out. <laughs> Something's going on. All right, so D'Angelo Russell, we don't have an answer to the question of what's going on. I think it would be a shame, as you do, if we lost out on him for nothing, if we let him go to another team. Uh, that doesn't mean we have to resign him for... Tens of millions of dollars, but if we don't want to do that, let's trade him now and get something, anything back for him. Because uh, I'm sure we could get something oh, yeah. decent enough. We could get back. something. Yeah. What do you think, Bill? You think you're uh, still on 21 million? Would be a fair price for him? Oh, that seems a little high. Okay. I'd say 18 or okay. so. Okay. Um, but. A crab contract? <laughs> you yeah, gotta assume a crab he'll contract. live up to it better than crab. Yes. He's already a significantly better player than Alan Crabb. Um, all right, so there's still a lot in the uh, a lot of unknowns around D'Angelo, but something to keep an eye on. It's heartbreaking those fourth quarters with him getting no run. Um, we'll see if that continues as yeah. a trend. So let's move on to slightly rosier talk. Okay. Fan favorite. Rodion Kurutz. Yeah. Uh, he has been a revelation. I remember um, when we drafted him talking about how we, we were sort of mocking the notion that his coach in Barcelona had not played him because he was coming to the NBA, even though they played Luka Doncic all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't really have a lot of faith. In young Rodion's kudos. No, I remember Bill saying we. You went through a list of maybe like twelve people, and I remember commenting on them and saying, "Great, great, 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 great." And then Kurutz came up, and it was like, "God, no, please, right. anybody." <laughs> so Kurutz, as as really for most fans, I think, come out of nowhere. In 2017, he was a potential lottery guy, then decided to go back to Barcelona, was put on the bench, and then dropped to the second round where the Nets picked him up. They took a chance. They liked what they saw over in Latvia. And we have him now. Mm-hmm. And guess what he just cracked? Uh, the rookie top five ladder. The rookie top five ladder. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so he is up there with the likes of Luka Doncic, DeAndre Ayton. Um, is that his first name, DeAndre Ayton? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, DeAndre Ayton. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. Do you know who the fourth is? Uh, Mikhail Bridges, maybe? No. no, not Mikhail Bridges. I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. Okay, anyway, it doesn't matter. Other, They're not Nets, so they're irrelevant, obviously. Um, anyway, Kurutz, top five rookies. He is in the starting lineup. 
I think there could be a full-on revolt if they try to introduce Alan Crabb back into the starting lineup and displace Rody back onto the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, at the very least, even if that were to happen, it's clear that he is going to, at the very least, be a rotation guy. Mm-hmm. He's going to get minutes going forward for the rest of the year. He's one of the bright spots. I think he's now, I think you could say him, Karras, and uh, and Jared Allen are the core, for sure, mm-hmm. guaranteed going forward, mm-hmm. of the Nets. And that contract that they signed him to, which was fairly unprecedented, looks incredibly yes. sagacious in retrospect. <laughs> well done, Sean yeah. Marks. They you don't you don't have to guarantee a second round draft pick is not guaranteed anything. Yeah. They're not guaranteed a contract in the NBA. We gave this guy a four year deal, mm-hmm. which uh, again is pretty unusual, but they clearly knew that they had something good. Um, and they locked him up. So we have this guy on what will, if he continues at all um, at the level that he's currently playing at, will be one of the best values in the NBA, hands down. Yes. Um, Which is why things like draft picks are so valuable um, in the NBA, especially if you hit on them, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he uh, he is um, – so it's a, it's a $7 million four-year contract. The fourth year is a team option. Uh, never more than $2 million a year. Um, uh, he is, yes, he is like what, what, see, from what little I read, and I know you have a much better ear to the ground on these sorts of things, but from what, you know, all sorts of sports punditry talks about, like, these are the players that are, that are hyper, hyper valuable. You don't have to run plays for them. You don't have to worry about them getting touches. They're very low usage. He just runs around. He, he makes cuts off the ball. He shoots the three. He drives the basketball. He can guard a team's best player fairly adequately. He, uh, you know, gets rebounds, uh, steals. He's just a ball of energy. He does, like, you know, positive, positive, positive things. He still makes mistakes, and sometimes when he's, like, driving with the ball, it's clear he has no idea what his plan is. He has definitely, he's a bowling ball driving in, has very little vision. There was one pass where he threw the ball at the ref, mistaking the ref as one of his teammates. Um, But... Honestly, no one at this point anyway, everyone's pretty forgiving of Rowdy's flaws. Because there there are flaws. He's not a flawless player. But uh, he does so many other things. He gets offensive rebounds when all the other nets are already running back on defense. Rowdy somehow gets in there, yeah. changes it up. He gets these clutch steals. He's just, yeah, he's a, he is he's an energy guy. He's fun to watch. He's totally invigorated. Um the starting lineup mm-hmm. with his presence in mm-hmm. it, and and he is a plus minus god essentially. Yes. Now that may that has taken a huge beating over the last two games, but but <laughs> yes, he he is definitely and and those those lineups uh, in that lineup article, um, Kurutz is in every good lineup, right? Um, yeah. So speaking of. Bright spots. Let's talk to what last year was the brightest spot on the Nets. Mm-hmm. Uh, to start the season was, other than Karras, a very, very strong start to the season, uh, Jared Allen. Mm-hmm. So he um, 
you should know the starters. Do you ever watch the starters? It's a uh, their daily show on NBA TV. It's thirty minute show, and they're they're actually really funny. Okay. Um, and they did a best year end like best of the year things. Jared Allen was nominated. Two of his blocks were nominated in the top five. His block on Dwight Griffin. Blake Dwight, Griffin, yeah, Blake yeah. Griffin, yeah. And um, LeBron James. Oh. Le- the LeBron block won block of the year. Wow. Yeah, so he's getting some love in national media. But, Simon, he's slumping. Yeah, he's slumping a little bit. So, so and thank you for creating time for this uh, segment here. Um, yesterday, for example... Uh, I have him on my fantasy team, so I'm acutely aware of what this slump looks and yeah. feels like. He played just 20, 21 minutes, had 8 points and 4 rebounds. The day before, he had just 17 uh, minutes, shot 1 for 8, which is extremely uncharacteristic yeah. for him. Uh, 8 points, um, 10 rebounds. Uh, on uh, twelve twenty one, he had 10 points at 5 rebounds, 6 points and 8 rebounds on the 18th. Anyway... There's a bunch of games where he's, he's you know, below his average. His average is about 12 points, although trending down, and eight rebounds. Um, his blocks are down. Yeah. Uh, they were at, like, two at the beginning of the year, and, and now we're at about, like, 1.4. Um, so, and, and, you know, for a guy who uh, is not really almost never, like, a big focal point of the, of the team, and you can kind of forget about him even when he's playing well, is really dropped off the map, uh, uh, you know, as of late. And also, as we've talked about, is is pretty much never in the fourth quarter, I feel like. He rarely is in it at crunch time. Do you know what his minutes look like? Mm. Like, are his minutes going down? Yeah, I can tell you. Uh, these last two games, yes. They're, they're 21, 17, 24, 24. 29, 31, 2015. 20, so, you know, they're, they're, in a lot of these things, he's playing less than half the game. Right. Um, I, I wonder what's going on. Like, what, 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 what's happening? <laughs> Why yeah, is this happening? Yeah, I don't happening? know. I don't, I don't have a good – even though I wanted to talk about this, I don't really have a good – I don't have a good answer uh, for you other than maybe – Kenny is like hyper hyper in gotta win mode mm-hmm. and recognizes that uh, that uh, Ed Davis is a better rebounder and also he is the Nets' best defender, like at least in terms of uh, defensive rating, mm-hmm. and is less likely to make Cody Zeller look like <laughs> uh, right. the second coming of Shaq or something. Um, so yeah, that would be my only guess. Well, I hope he comes back soon. Yeah. Uh, both for my fantasy team's sake and for real life, <laughs> real life nets. I'm down nine zero to Boofers, the last yeah, place guy in the you, league. Bill? My team is crumbling. <laughs> John Wall is out for the rest of the season, though, and but I got Jared Fox right? for him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who did you trade him to? Uh, to Rip City, who oh. then who then flipped him to poor Seth. Oh, Seth. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, I know. Was that the Aaron Gordon trade Aaron that we Gordon, told him to go yes, for? Yes, oh, I was. I Seth. said explicitly, I was like, I'm worried about his foot issues. Mm. And that is why I traded him in the first place. And now he is out for the entire season. I'm sorry, season. Seth. I am um, playing Seth, so I'm not that sorry. Right. <laughs> We're in a dogfight. 
Yeah, I'm down 9-0 to Boofers, okay? <laughs> I don't even know who the fuck Boofers is, but he's destroying know. me yeah. in fantasy. This, it's just... That should not be happening. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> if Jared Allen were the worst slumper on my team, I would be lucky, but he is not even close. Um, oh, my God. This team is horrible. All right. So, anyway... That's a lot of nets, uh, nets and nets depth, gab, yeah, gabbing. Um, we got a few more things to discuss. Okay, and we have not gone long. We're still under thirty. So okay, great. So last episode, we got a question from Big Fan. Yeah, regarding uh, Laverne and Shirley and Rami and Michelle's high school reunion. Yeah, uh, question about which of those characters uh, each of us were. Yeah. Um, our answer, though extremely thoughtful and uh, well informed, yeah. as all of our answers on this show are, yes, um, did have a few factual inaccuracies. Uh huh. Um, so big fan went ahead and did a little fact check for us of this segment, which I'm going to just read through rather quickly. Mm-hmm. Are you okay with that? Yes. All right. So, first thing we got wrong about Rami and Michelle. Lisa Kudrow is Michelle, not Rami. Mm. Mira Sorvino is uh, <laughs> it Rami. It might be Romy. Romy. Not to oh, pile on. What am I calling her? Rami. Rami. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Maybe we'll get another <laughs> fact check. Uh, two, the show that Laverne and Shirley was on is called Laverne and Shirley. So you were right about that. I was wrong. I thought it was called The Laverne and Shirley Show. Yeah, yeah. Penny Marshall, a.k.a. Laverne, was the star director who just died. Penny Baker is the tall, buxom, and shapely blonde bombshell who was born on October blah, blah, blah. Best known for her work on Real Genius as Girl at the Party. Oh, I was saying Penny Baker instead of Penny Marshall. Mm. Um, also, Penny Baker is a uh, was actually formerly the librarian at the Clark Art Institute. Oh, and a sort of legendary figure in um, art library circles. So, pardon me for. <laughs> you can see where the confusion. <laughs> you in. can see where the confusion came in. Uh, four. The non-famous person who played Romy, Romy, yeah, Romy, is Oscar winner Mira Sorvino. That one hurts. We thought for sure it was a no-namer. Yeah, we were pretty confident about that. (laughs) (laughs) Fifth, fifth inaccuracy: Heather Mooney did not play Romy. Heather Mooney was in fact a fictional character from the same movie played by Janine Garofalo. Janine Garofalo. Big fan of her work. Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, liked her in, uh, what was that Truth Kevin Smith movie? Truth About Cats and Dogs? Oh, okay. Oh, what, what Kevin what, Smith movie? Dogma? Dogma. As dogma. a cut kid, I loved Dogma. Yeah, Dogma was great when mm-hmm. you were a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, six, Romy was the one who wanted to go back for High School Crush. Right, okay. Yeah, I think we knew that. E- maybe. Yeah. I, I, I think we were, yeah. Okay, and seven... <laughs> Bill is the Romy, Simon is the Michelle. Alternatively, Bill is the Laverne, and Simon is the Shirley. Okay. 
I'll take your that, word for that it. That makes Marla. as much sense to me now as it did <laughs> when we got the question and analyzed it last week. But big fan, again, we appreciate the questions. Keep them coming. For those of you listening, this is the exact sort of question we're looking for. Yes. Uh, hit us up at maybe next time at gmail.com or on Twitter, Instagram. Oh, yeah, that about does it. Or Facebook. Facebook, right. We still maintain that page. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have any New Year's resolutions regarding the Nets? Yeah, well, I, and I hope I'm not stealing this from you, but I, too, after our discussion, our heart-to-heart, Yeah. Uh, after the, uh, the first um, Charlotte game, I uh, is he not supposed to be doing that? I mean, he's eating a, a towel, so I, I mean, I feel like you put it on the ground. You're asking yeah, for a towel, he, right? I mean, I've picked up <laughs> many towels he's passed, so it's not the end of the world. But <laughs> I prefer him not to be eating a towel. Yeah, I understand. So, so my my we had a heart to heart, and and you had mentioned something around this, but but and I'll let you explain it uh, if you'd like to, but. Basically, I too need to, need to be better about cheering for Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, you know, he's on the team. He's a productive, mostly member of the team. Um, he's a, he's apparently on a on a good contract. Uh, he's a, he gets to the line, which is one of my you know constant refrains here on this show. Uh, he's maybe the best at it of anyone on on our team. You know. Uh, I gotta, you know. I, I there's there's a lot of good there. There's yeah. a lot of good there, and yes, this was going to be my resolution as well, as we discussed on our walk. I I was genuinely upset that Spencer had a good game, which is a stupid <laughs> and idiotic way to approach watching this team. Like, if some guy goes off for 33 points, I shouldn't think about it like, oh, man, that should have been Delo's 33 points. should be like, that's great. It's amazing that Annette actually played decent basketball mm-hmm. for a night. Mm-hmm. So while I have way too much in my head at stake, like I I want for some reason this team to conform to how I expect the team to conform to. Um, and then when they don't and actually exceed that in a, just a different way than I thought, mm-hmm. I shouldn't grow resentful of it. I should appreciate it, uh, you know, for, for, for what it is. Um, so, yeah, I am going to try to lay off my um, Spencer antagonism. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that I think that he's a great young player on a great contract. And nights where he's going to be the big contributor, great. And uh, there'll be nights when, you know, he has three-point games and that's okay, too. We need to be here to support the guy. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, how I long do you good. think that's going to last for me? Uh, I don't know. I, I would say, you know, a few games maybe. <laughs> right. Uh, but I think you'll give it your all, and that's all that anyone. That can, is exactly right. So. Anyone can do. Um, I, an additional, uh, just on a, on a on a less basketball, more financial standpoint. I'm oh gonna, my god! I'm going to try to not spend so much money at the Barclays Center. They don't make it easy. No. Uh, in there to, to not spend an arm and a leg, but I'm going to try to, you know, limit the times that I actually eat food there, which is always a disaster. Yeah. Maybe, you know, just one beer instead of two beers there because that makes a huge difference. 
Uh, but as I sent you that, uh, that um, my transaction records, um, really quite eye-opening. Oh, yeah. It's alarming. <laughs> uh, and in fact, best just ignored. Yeah. Um, we have a game coming this week against the New Orleans Pelicans. Yee-hoo. Anthony Davis and the Mighty Pelicans is a home game. Tickets are going for a lot of mm. money. Great. Uh, still triple digits, so hopefully we can make a little cash back. Still triple digits? Yes. What in the fuck is going on? I think it's just the holidays. People need something to do. Anthony Davis might be a big draw. I don't, don't really know. Um, anyway... That'll be fun to see Anthony Davis. That's right? on January 2nd. And Julius Randle. You'll get to see him in the flesh. Yeah. See if we really want him. That's true. That's, that's yeah. Um, yeah, so that's Wednesday, I believe. It's the 2nd. Yeah. So, so Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. Um, so anyway, we've got that coming up. Um, do you think people should rate us or review us? Yes, but... Only do so if you're leaving those five-star reviews or, at worst, four-star reviews on iTunes, Stitcher. Um, what's the big one that I always forget? Uh, Spotify. Spotify. Thank you. Yes, send them. We know we, we got to have those goddamn reviews. Please give it to us. And as Bill mentioned earlier, please send us your comments, questions, thoughts, anything you want to tell us. We'd love to hear it. Maybe next time at gmail.com or, uh, you know, DM us on Twitter. You can also check us out on uh, maybe next time on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, okay, well, thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking Nets basketball with you, Simon. And we will go ahead and see ya next time. Coach. I was tired of my lady. We'd been together too long. Like a worn-out recording of a favorite song. So while she lay sleeping I read the paper in bed and in the personal columns there was this letter I read if you like pina colada